All right. Well, good morning. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for choosing to spend your time here this morning. You know, we don't take it for granted. You, You could be anywhere on a Sunday morning. And for whatever reason, the Lord highlighted for you to come here today. Right? And maybe you just, well, this is where I go. But, but the reality is that you have a choice. And my sense from the Lord is that whenever somebody walks in the door, there's something for you. As well as there's something that you're bringing as if you're, especially if you're a son or a daughter of the living God, you get to release something in the house. You get to love on people and care for people. You might get a word of knowledge or prophetic word or, um, you might pray for somebody or just a word of encouragement. And so nobody is, um, is just along for the ride, right? This is, uh, this is a great place to be because we're meant to, to be the body building one another up and equipping each other. And so that's, that's the, the joy that we have. And I get to have a special role this morning in sharing a word that I feel like the Lord highlighted. And um, we're in a series. We started last week, if you were with us. And um, as I was sort of looking ahead and planning, um, it's going to be a long series because we're, we're covering a lot of material. But um, let me give you the backstory. It's called Jesus Revealed. And today we're going to do part two. But it stems from a question that Jesus asked his disciples back in Matthew's chapter 16. And ultimately, I'll, I'll read this, the text. It says, if you go to Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus says to his disciples, but who do you, you yourselves say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so the reality is, it's one thing to just sort of um, say, Well, who is God? It's like this big question out there. The other is, you want to make it personal. Because it really matters who you say Jesus is, in as much as it matters what the sort of Christian doctrine is or beliefs and that kind of stuff, how theology has been passed down from one generation to the next. What do you say? Who's the Jesus that you know? And why that's important is because there's some things that happen in our relationship with Jesus. I wrote a question. I said, is Jesus worth it for you to press in for a deeper revelation of who he really is? Is he worth it for you to know him more, to know who he really is, the authentic Jesus? And the, the secondary question is, what quality of life is good enough for you? If Jesus came to give life and life abundantly, and you keep him at a distance, or you don't really allow yourself to come to know him fully, what's the measure of abundant life you're going to experience? Probably not as much as you could. If you embraced him, if you spent time with him, if you opened up your heart to receive more fully and you investigated more fully who he really is, um, how you answer these, these questions determine the measure of abundant life that you live with, and it also determines the measure of the revelation of Jesus that you can share with those in your sphere of influence. Because you can only give away what you have or what you've received. Um, we can only share with integrity the Jesus that we actually know. I can share a lot about Jesus, right? 
But if I don't have firsthand knowledge, if I've had an encounter with God, if I've experienced his love, his grace, if I've experienced his power, if I've experienced um, him pursuing me when I wasn't running towards him, I've experienced that. That gives me a lot of authority if I'm talking to somebody who's in a similar situation to say, this is the God I know. This is the Jesus I encountered. It's real. It's not just book. It's not just words on a page. That's what we're after. And so that's why the question, who do you say Jesus is, is so critical. And so this year, we're going we're gonna to look at it through the lens of John, the Gospel of John, and then the letters of John. And so John's one of the apostles, and um, I ju- we just felt like the Holy Spirit would say, look at that. Look at the revelation of Jesus through John's eyes. Who does, who does John know Jesus to be? What's the, the thrust of what's happening in the Gospel of John and in his letters that he's revealing who Jesus really is? And so last week, we looked at John chapter 1 verses 1 to 18, and we highlighted 10 truths or revelations out of that, those few verses, those 18 verses, that John would say, this is who Jesus is. And I'm going to review that real quick, if you weren't with us, um, just to go through it. So the first one, we're, and ultimately, we're going we're gonna, to um, go through all of this material, and we're going to have a long list at the end of truths and revelation about who Jesus is. Right. And um, and the invitation is if you see anything and there's going to be different slides, but if you see anything on that list at any point in time, you're like, I don't really know that Jesus. I don't really I haven't experienced that revelation of who he is. I've read it. I've heard it, but I haven't experienced him in that way. It's an invitation to press in. He's saying, come, know me. Ask, seek, knock. Right. Um, The first is that Jesus is the word. And last week we talked from the text, it's logos. Right. It's the overarching word. It's not a rhema word specific. It's the overarching word. Jesus was with God from the beginning. So at the very beginning, Jesus was with the father, with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus is God. He is God. Jesus is the creator of all things. So everything that you see and touch and experience, right, that you see in creation and nature, all was created by Jesus. You were created by Jesus. There's people who don't believe that. That's okay. We're not threatened by that. The reality is if you take John at his revelation through the word of God, that's the truth. And you have to wrestle with that at some point in time. Um, Jesus is the beholder of life, right? He holds all life. Jesus is the true light who can't be overcome by darkness. We talked about that a lot last week. Jesus isn't afraid of the darkness. He isn't afraid of the enemy. He isn't afraid of anything that's sort of negative, right? He, he is the true light. He cannot be overcome by darkness. He's not phased by it. So we don't have to be phased by it. If that's the Jesus we know, and you're living in a constant state of fear about what the enemy is going to do, that's a problem. Because then you haven't had truly a revelation of who Jesus really is inside of you. Because he's not afraid of it. Again, that's not a condemning statement. That's an invitation to say there's more of hosting the truth of who he is so we can respond to darkness in the same way that Jesus did. 
Um, Jesus is the one who makes a way for us to become children of God. There's no other way to become a son or a daughter of God. It's through Jesus. Jesus is the beholder of grace. Jesus is the beholder of truth. And then Jesus is the revealer of the Father to mankind. If you want to see the Father, if you want to know the Father, look at Jesus. The Father's heart. Look at what Jesus does. Look at what Jesus says. Look at his interactions throughout the Gospels. It's a window into who the Father is. Um, Last week, after I gave my message, I had a good friend who's part of our congregation, and he reached out to me and he said, I think that you're using the word behold in the wrong way. And I was like, oh, I'm an English major. You know, I did that back in the day. I was was thinking about it. You're right. I'm using it in the wrong way. And I said back to him, I said, that's interesting, though, because when I was prepping my message, you know, you're going through, if you've ever preached and you've gone through a passage, you, you go through the passage and then you sort of listen to the Holy Spirit as you're going. And when I got to this aspect of him being the beholder of life and grace and truth, that's the phrase that I heard in my spirit. So I just wrote it down. I didn't think about it. I just wrote it down. So when I heard that from my friend, I was like, interesting. I'm going to have to check in with God about that because that's what I felt like I heard. And yet you're right. I know the true meaning of behold. Behold is something that you see. I behold this in you or I behold this in that thing. Something that I take in that I see. And so I did a little study and I went and looked up what is the root of behold? And if you go back and you look at the Middle English, it comes from that word beholden. Or the Old English, it's be healed on. And the first definitions of those two words is to hold, have, occupy, possess, guard, preserve, contain, belong, or keep. After that, it starts getting into how we use the word today. To observe, consider, behold, look at, gaze on, see. It was curious to me. The reality, what's the truth? Jesus, he holds, he embodies, he contains all life. He holds, embodies, contains all grace. Remember, grace is that divine empowerment for us that we receive from him for us to accomplish what we can never accomplish on our own. Jesus is the source of that. Jesus is the, the, the one who holds, embodies, contains all truth. Later on, we're going to see Jesus is the truth. So what does that mean? As we look to him, we behold life. We behold grace. We behold truth. For me, why that was significant is here we're going back through a a passage for many of you who have walked with the Lord for years. You've read the Gospel of John. You've read all of these words before. You've heard it all. You could say, I'm going to take the year off because I've already done this. And yet the reality is, is there something in the word or the words on the page that will take you deeper to a revelation than what you've experienced before? I hope so. Have we arrived at knowing who Jesus is? Do you know the depths, the heights, right? The full extent of who he really is? Or is there more? And so for me, why this was curious, it's like, I, I heard a phrase, I wrote it down, I shared it, how I saw it and how I heard it. And yet the reality is God said, if you go back, if you dig deeper, you'll see the root of it is actually what you're describing. That's curious, right? 
Um, it gives me hope as we go through this, this series to say God is going to take us deeper into the revelations that John has of who Jesus really is. There's more for us there. We can trust him, what he's saying, how he leads us, what he wants to reveal to us, because it's significant for this day for us to be able to walk more fully in abundant life and for us to release the fullness of who he is with all those that we encounter in our spheres of influence. Make sense? Anyway, so I thank that gentleman very much because it took me on a journey. Um, we're going to continue today in John chapter 1. We're going to actually finish John chapter 1 today. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to pick up in verse 19. And we're just going to read through it and see what, is, what else does John reveal about the truth of who Jesus is. Verse 19 says this. It says, in, the, in this testimony of John... This is John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And so they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So John the Baptist, he reveals himself. There's these um, sort of people who are connected to the Pharisees, and they come and they just they sort of um, ask John the Baptist, who are you? What are you doing? What's this all about? And John says that he reveals himself as the one who comes before the Christ to prepare the way. He's going to prepare the way for the Christ. Um, he says, I baptize with water. It's about cleansing. It's about repenting, right? And he refers to Jesus as the Christ who stands among them that they don't know. Isn't that curious? Jesus stands among them, and yet they don't know who he is. They may know him as Jesus the carpenter's son, but they don't, get, they don't have the full revelation that he is the Christ that they've been waiting for for all these years. He's standing right there in their midst, and they don't get it. Um, John says that he isn't even worthy to untie Jesus' sandal. It's a revelation of, of the truth of perspective of who Jesus really is, the awe and the glory that he carries, that John would perceive it in that way or explain it in that way. Verse 29 says, The next day he, it's John the Baptist again, saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. And you're like, how does that happen, right? And yet the reality is, where did Jesus start? He was with the Father and the Holy Spirit in the beginning. Was he before John the Baptist? Yes. Was John the Baptist born on earth before Jesus? Yes. That's why it's a curious statement, right? 
Um, the reality is, I lost my place. Um, he says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the son of God. So John the Baptist declares when he sees Jesus walking this particular day, he says, Jesus is this lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, it's that sacrificial offering. He takes away the sin of the world. That's not just one sin. It's all sin for all mankind, whether you have relationship with Jesus or not. The, he paid for it all. It's done. It's a sufficient sacrifice. Jesus is the one on whom the Spirit descended. So the Holy Spirit sort of came upon him, but then it remained. And John the Baptist had this insight from God that the one who does that, that's going to be the Christ. When you see the Holy Spirit rest on a person and not leave, that's your key. And that's what John saw. So that's one of the characteristics of Jesus. When you look at his life, the Holy Spirit remained on him as he walked on earth. Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 35. The next day again, John was, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. He looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. There's two disciples of John. John says, behold, the Lamb of God. And John's disciples, these two guys, they leave John and they start following Jesus. Okay. Um, it doesn't seem like John the Baptist has a problem with that. We don't, he doesn't go running after them, saying, wait, but what about me? Right? These disciples just start following Jesus. Verse 38 says, Jesus turned and saw them following. And he said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter or rock. So Jesus, Jesus notices that these two disciples of John start following him. Right? If somebody were following you and you were walking down the road, at some point, if they kept following you, do you think you might say something to them? Maybe. You might get a little nervous or scared, right, depending on how they looked. Yet the reality is these two guys start following Jesus. Jesus stops and says, what are you seeking? What are you doing? Um, they, said, they, they call him rabbi, which indicates that they're ultimately saying, can we be disciples of you? Rabbi is a term of honor for a teacher. And these two disciples who were following John the Baptist at the behest of John saying, there's the Lamb of God, right? They reveal the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. They say, we're going to go follow him. And what does Jesus do? He receives them. 
he takes him in. He says, okay, you can follow me. One of these disciples was Andrew. And before he goes, he invites his, his brother Simon. The context of it, right? We're getting John's lens. You look at the other Gospels and you see how the, the story looks, right? But for John's lens, this disciple goes and gets Simon and he says, you got to come too. And Simon says, yes. And so he brings Simon to Jesus. And what does Jesus do with Simon? He receives him. And he speaks a word about his identity. He says, your name is Simon, true. But he declares that his identity is Peter or rock. Jesus looks into him, this man, and he says, I receive you, but I also see the truth of who you really are. And I'm going to declare it back to you. You are Peter, which means rock. Um, That's significant. Verse 43, it says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. I love that, that Philip doesn't try to defend it. He just says, come and see. You figure out if anything good can come out of Nazareth. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So Jesus finds Philip. Notice it's different. Philip doesn't stumble on Jesus. Jesus finds Philip. And he invites him to follow him. Philip invites Nathaniel. There's a lot of inviting going on. Philip invites Nathaniel, but Nathaniel's like, he's from Nazareth? What good could come out of Nazareth? You sure it's the Christ? And then Jesus shares this word of knowledge to Nathaniel about seeing him under the fig tree. And Nathaniel is undone. Now, I don't know what was going on under the fig tree. I don't know what, what, we don't know. He doesn't, we don't have any information. I don't know why Jesus saying, I saw you under the fig tree, sets Nathaniel off where he says, then you, you are the Christ. You are the one. Something was going on that he knew that there's no way that somebody could know that he was under the fig tree. But Jesus knew. He had a word of knowledge that that's where Nathaniel had been. And Jesus says, oh, Nathaniel, you think that's big? You're going to see so much greater things than that. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I don't think Nathaniel had a clue what he was talking about, right? And yet the reality of the promise from Jesus is you think what what you just experienced was amazing. There is so much more in the kingdom that I'm going to be revealing and releasing that you will experience as you follow me. Um. 
So that's John 1, 19 to 51. We'll go back and we'll sort of pull out what are those truths, the revelation out of this passage. The first is that Jesus is the Christ who stands among them that they don't know. And, and you might say, well, how is that relevant for us today? For me, why it's relevant is I know there's more to Jesus than what I've experienced. And so there may be aspects of who Jesus is that's right in my midst, and I'm not aware of it. It's not because he's playing hard. It's not because he's trying to hide himself from me. It's because I haven't, I haven't seen that revelation. I haven't gotten that full download yet. So there's ways where he's up to something, he's working, he's moving. I don't have eyes to see it. My history, my experience says this is what Jesus looks like. And then Jesus comes along and he reveals another aspect of who he really is that opens my eyes to, wow, I didn't know. And it's like these Israelites where Jesus was right in their midst and they had no clue that he was the Christ, right? There's more. There's more to be revealed. Jesus is the one whose sandal John isn't even worthy to untie. Why would that be relevant for us today? We know that Jesus says, come. He's welcoming. He's inviting, right? And yet the reality is we don't want to lose sight of the awe and sort of the fear of God or the reverence that we have towards Jesus. The holiness of Jesus. He's still holy. He's still pure. Right? Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again, we talked about it. He's that sacrificial Lamb. It's sufficient for all. Why is that important for us? Because um, every single one who's hearing my voice has sin in their life at some point. (laughs) We all do, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who pays for that sin? Jesus. He's the only one. There's no other way. There's no other way for it to be rectified than the blood of the lamb. It's how God set it up. That's why that's good news. Do I know Jesus as the lamb of God or am I still trying to pay for my sin, my own? Somehow me trying to rectify it, me trying to make it right. Or do I fully receive the blood that was poured out on my behalf? That would be important to look at if you wrestle with that. Jesus is the one on whom the spirit descended and remained. What does that look like? We know that that Jesus is God, right? That's the beginning part of John. Jesus was with God from the beginning. Jesus created all things. Yet when he was born here on earth, he was a man. How did he accomplish anything that he accomplished? Because the spirit came and rested on him and remained. He modeled what does it look like for you and me as followers of him to partner with the Holy Spirit in navigating life. Everything that Jesus did, he was able to do in communion with God because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's really significant for us. And so if you, if you want more of the, to, to live a lifestyle more in, in alignment with God, then probably the key is what does it look like to pursue the Holy Spirit and allow it to rest upon you in ways that maybe you've never experienced? Or what does it look like to learn from Jesus and how he stewarded that? Jesus is the Son of God, right? He is God. He's also the Son of God. What does it look like to be a son, right? It's not in this text, but the Father declares over Jesus before or at his baptism, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. 
before he ever did any ministry, he was, he was recognized as a beloved son. It had nothing to do with what he did or didn't do. It had everything to do with who he was. And again, Jesus invites us into becoming children of God, sons and daughters of God. Jesus is the one who notices us, right? Like with John's disciples, he notices you. Um, Jesus is the one who speaks our identity to us, like with Peter. So if you don't know the truth of who you really are, or if you hang out with Jesus, I guarantee you, you're going to start hearing things about who you really are that maybe you don't believe, or it's hard for you to believe because you look at your past or you look at your choices. And Peter, or Jesus comes and he says, this is who you are. He invites you to actually believe it, um, to take hold of it. Jesus is the one who calls us like he did with Philip. He has a call for your life. There's a specific purpose and destiny on every single person who hears the sound of my voice. Whether you want it or not, whether you believe it or not, it's yours because that's what he does. And then Jesus is the one who sees and knows us, um, just like with Nathaniel. He sees you. I could put your name there. He knows you. There's a, this is a tangent, but there's, I do a prayer walk around this neighborhood, and there's two streets. One is Garden and one is Hull. And then these two streets at the end of the, um, it's the southwest corner. And they lead into a neighborhood where there's no other outlet. Those are the only two streets that go in there. And when I walk by those streets, what I feel like I always hear the Holy Spirit say to me about the people who live in that section of this larger neighborhood is that he sees them, he knows them, and he loves them because they're sort of forgotten or could be. They're hidden. Nobody would ever go there. Nobody has a reason to go there unless you live there. There's no way else to get through, right? There's no, no good. It's not a cut across, right? That kind of thing. But it's a grouping of people that live in this part of this neighborhood that um, I love that, that God says, I see them. I know them. I love them. They're significant. They may not be fully aware of their significance, but he is fully aware of their significance. And he's making me more aware of their significance. If that makes sense, right? There's something there. Um, and so he sees you and he knows you. I'll add, he loves you. That's not from this text, but. Jesus is the one who reveals the greater things to his disciples. So you accept Jesus, and you think it's amazing, and then you sort of potentially, you sort of plateau, and you're like, oh, okay, this is what it means to be a believer. This is what it looks like to have relationship with Jesus. And yet the reality with Jesus is that there's so much more. He is longing to reveal so much more above and beyond what you could think or imagine about who God is, about who you are, and about how the kingdom operates. And that's what he leads us into more and more and more. And that's the Jesus that I see revealed in this section of Scripture. And so ultimately, back to our, our overarching question for this series, is who do you say Jesus is? Right? Don't take my word for it. Don't take just the words on the page. Right? We believe by faith. I get that. But there's an invitation. Is that the Jesus you know? Um, do you just know about these truths? Or do you know Jesus as these truths? Have you experienced him as these truths? Or are there aspects regarding these truths about Jesus that you want to press in and know more? 
Like maybe one of those phrases you're like, I probably could, I I think I want to look at that more. There's more for me there. You know how the Holy Spirit, he nudges us? And you might be sitting here this morning, you're like, I don't feel a nudge. That's okay, right? It's not about comparison or anything like that. The Holy Spirit knows there's probably something in the Gospel of John that is for you this year. I would guess. I would imagine. Um, can you share Jesus, the Jesus that's revealed in John chapter 1, 19 to 51, with integrity with those in your sphere of influence? Can you sit across the table from somebody in your sphere of influence and say, this is the Jesus that I know with integrity? Or is it just, this is the Jesus I heard about? <laughs> right? um, if you can't, why not? What's the block? What's the limitation? Um, what's blocking you from knowing the fullness of Jesus revealed in these verses? And then ultimately, these questions we're going to look at all year is, are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to take you deeper into encountering the fullness of Jesus? And that's where the rubber meets the road, right? It's one thing for me to, to share these words. It's another for you to hear them. And then it's another for you to take it and say, I'm going to go do something with this. I'm going to press in in my relationship with God because I want the more, right? Again, nobody's watching. (laughs) It's between you and the Lord, what you do with these messages. Um, But I guarantee you at the Father's heart, his desire is that we would have a a more abundant life as a result of knowing the fullness of who Jesus really is at a deeper level. And at the Father's house, he knows that we have been positioned strategically for such a time as this to take the truth of who Jesus is and to give it away to every single person in our sphere of influence in new realms. And we, want, we don't want to just give them a fraction of who Jesus really is. We want to give them the authentic Jesus, who he really is, because that's what they need. That's what I need. That's what you need, right? Um, it's no different. So let's pray. And Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for um, just the revelation in the Gospel of John, the end of chapter 1, about who you are. And thank you for your interactions with, um, with uh, these disciples, right? The ones who were John's disciples, uh, with Peter, with Nathaniel, with Philip. Thanks for the revelation that we can pull out of your interactions, just these short little phrases that we can pull out and we can say, ah, I see the way that you interact with individuals right? Some you press in and you pursue. Some pursue you and you receive. You speak words of identity over each person, right? That's something that you do for us. Um, yeah, you reveal the, the truth about what's in our hearts that we never knew was there. You're just that good. And we just I pray, Jesus, that you would continue to lead and to guide us. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. If there's any of these, um, these revelations about Jesus that you want an individual who's hearing the sound of my voice to, to press in deeper, would you nudge them? Just in the kindness of your heart, would you nudge them? And they would say, ah, I'm going to look at that this week. And I pray that then as they glean more about you, then they would be able to release more of who you are in their spheres of influence. And that includes their brothers and sisters here at church. As they say, ah, Jesus showed me this. I didn't know this. I've been walking with him for 30 years, but I didn't know the depths of what this really means. And now I do, and I want to share it. And I just pray that we would have those kinds of aha encounters with your word, 
in a fresh way. That we truly would mind the depths of your word and we would be undone by the, um, the treasure that we find as we go through this week and as we go through the rest of this year. And we just ask that you would continue to pour out your love and your grace. Thanks that you paid for all of our sin. Thanks that we can run into the Father's throne room. Right? We can leap on his lap because we're not afraid. Thanks that, again, back to last week, right, that we're not, we don't need to be afraid of the darkness. We don't need to be afraid of the enemy because you are the true light. And you live inside of your, the sons and daughters of God. And so we host your light. I pray that the depths of your light would grow in each of us this week, that we would have a greater revelation of the true light that we host inside of us, that then when we go, wherever we go, in this county or in this um, nation or to the nations, right, this week, I don't know who's traveling where, but I pray, Jesus, that we, we would have a revelation of the true light that we bring with us and the depths of who you really are that accompanies us wherever we go. And we just pray that we wouldn't miss the opportunities that you bring across our path to share about the Jesus <laughs> who we really know to impact people's lives. Yeah. All for your glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.